In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have three people in the studio tonight. I have with me Eric the Artist. Hi, everybody. I have with me Gary the Stud. That'd be me. And I am your host, Bob Chrisman. That's kind of odd that I can do that now. Gary, just point to you and get three. I love it. So we have several trailers to discuss with you tonight, so we're going to get right to it. It's so, a trailer bonanza. It's a trailer bonanza. So really quick, we're going to talk about the Annihilation teaser trailer. We're going to talk about the trailer for Marvel's The Punisher on Netflix. We're going to talk about the latest Thor Ragnarok trailer. It's the international trailer that came out. And then the last trailer we're going to talk about is the trailer about Battlefront 2, which is the latest Star Wars Battlefront trailer to come out. So let's start with our first trailer, which is the Annihilation trailer. And I know you're all probably sitting there saying, why are you guys talking about the Annihilation trailer? Who cares? Well, here's the deal. First off, it's Natalie Portman. And I'm sorry, but she's... Next Star Wars person, so yep. I gotta kind of try to support her somehow and in some way. So I, I would find it important that, that that we we actually talk about this. That and I agree with Eric. It seems to be very um, sci-fi esque. Well, it's based on a series of sci-fi novels, a trilogy, I think called the Annihilation Trilogy. Okay. Uh, no, it's called the, the South End Trilogy or something like that. But this is the first book in it, Annihilation. I was gonna say, so each book has a different <coughs> title in it. I yeah, assume. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's definitely got you. You pointed out that it looks a lot like um, Arrival from last it, summer. It kind of seems to be a cross of like Arrival with that feel. It feels like it's got some of monsters thrown in there. Gareth right. Edwards' first movie about the whole quarantine zone, um, and it's uh, one of those kind of kind of almost like a King Kong squad going into an area type movies. So it's got a it's got a number of things that are familiar to it, but it looks very heady. Yeah. It, it's, it looks a little trippy. Uh, it's also kind of reminded me of Alien Covenant. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. I haven't seen Covenant yet. No. Uh, it, it, uh, it's it got that look to it, the same look that Alien Covenant had. 
You know, it's funny. When people watch Alien Covenant, I know, side note here, but they're either all into it, like they love it, and it's a really good pre-Alien movie, or they absolutely hate it. And I can see I can see both sides of it. I loved it. I thought it was a great movie, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, I give it credit. But this one looks interesting. I'll admit, it's very trippy. It's, it's you know... I think there's, there's alien-looking plant life. There's yeah. alien-looking creatures living here. There's people with... Stuff growing on them. Uh, there's po- it looks like po- oh, yeah, I love how the tattoos bodies. look like they're like eating at them yeah, or something weird like there's that. There's a lot of crazy visuals and you don't know how, what any of them mean. Which I love that. I, I it, it's almost like a suspense mixed with a sci-fi thriller, which to me is kind of cool. Oh yeah. You know, I I don't know. I I don't know if I'd see it in the theaters. I don't know if I would or not. Well, it, it's the the release date's in February, right. which is typically kind of a dumping ground I was time. Say it's kind of a slow month. Usually. Since Deadpool. Some people oh, kind of yeah. save their weird hits for that time for period that time now. Frame. So they may feel like it has an audience, just a unique one. Um, it intrigues me, just like Arrival intrigued me. I really wanted to go see Arrival when it came out, and I went and saw that in the theater, and I enjoyed it. Um, it was I, okay. I thought, <clears throat> I thought it moved a little too slow. I just saw it, it was very past slow. summer, and it was so slow. It's a very slow like, movie. Uh, there's a couple times where I just stopped it altogether because, <laughs> I mean, you can when you're at home. And so I just stopped it and then I, I went back and, and picked it back up just right. because it was so slow. I, I couldn't. Right. It's not the type of movie that's going to have a car chase or a gunfight in it, really. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's but, not a bad movie. It's just the overall plot line is just so slow. And I've said this many times on this show. Ever since Avatar, which, yeah, might have been visually really cool and, and had a fast moving plot and it was the biggest selling movie of all time. I went into that movie really hoping for intelligent sci-fi, and I still feel like I got 100% Dances of the Wolves in Space. Well, you did. That. That's exactly what it was. So I, since it wasn't as original as I'd hoped, and didn't, like, I thought it would strike upon all these interesting themes of what's it like to inhabit another body, mm-hmm. that the Avatar would be, the alien race was so different from us, you needed this to communicate with them, this kind of medium of communication. It was none of that. It was about a guy who lived in a blue body and did cool things and ended up you know, getting involved with space Native Americans. It really was that. And don't get me wrong, the visuals were stunning. Especially in, I saw it in 3D with the glasses and everything in, and it was, it was really, really well done. It was like some of the best 3D I've seen in a theater from small details to big ones. Yeah, I, I saw it in 3D. I remember seeing it. But I came out of it craving an intelligent sci-fi movie. Yeah. Like one that made me think a lot more. And it went, it put me on this search where I've watched many of them since then, some very small independent films, some like Primer, okay. the time travel movie, which is just a head trip and you can't follow it. It's crazy. Yep. I've watched Man from Earth, which was this very low budget but very interesting story about a guy who makes a unique uh, admission to all of his friends and you wonder if he's telling the truth or not. And I started trying to find more of those. So when I see things like Arrival, I'm intrigued. Because I want to see how intelligent it is. Does it deal with alien contact differently? Does it really push ideas out there that seem to be only reserved for sci-fi novels, which really expand your thought process? But when it gets to the movies, it seems like, well, how can we turn this into a cool special effect? And where can we right. put the action sequence and blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of hoping this movie very much looks like, even maybe more than Arrival, it's got some ve- like a unique way of like this whole environment, the actual reality of this area of Earth is like changing. So I'm curious to see what they do with it. As a quick side note, and we'll come back to Annihilation and Promise Brokes, but <clears throat> what about Avatar 2? Do you guys think... Mm. What, it officially you, started filming. I heard it started filming. I heard they're, they're, they're on set. He's, I heard they're already having problems. <clears throat> I heard they're... Well, I didn't hear that. Hold on. I, I want to hear about that. I heard that they're filming multiple movies at once. Right. I heard that there's two and three filming at the same time. 
but I've heard that actors and actresses are not wanting to be in both or were contracted to do both but weren't intending to do both. That's impossible. What's your contract? Right. Well, I misunderstood what the contract read. So now there's a lot of questions about really? what was in the language of the contract. And did I got to look this up. I didn't Did they this. slip it by and have a contract but for this two what's, films? But here's and, what's weird. As a general movie-going audience person not involved in the industry, yeah. I knew they were filming two movies I know. Co- co- sequentially or at the right. same time. Uh, how did these people not know? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess the question was whether your character would be in both. You know what I mean? Right. Or were you under the impression that maybe your character wasn't going to make it to the second I film? mean, yeah, there's always those kind of details. You know, so there's, there's little things like that. I guess my big thing is... is I know Avatar was a huge hit, and to me, the only reason it was a huge hit was because James Cameron ran out there and then bragged all get out about all the special effects he threw in. And don't get me wrong, the special effects were great. They're still, they're still, they're the, still the, the top notch special effects. I mean, absolutely. And how old is that today, movie now? We're almost, talking almost five years, I think, I think at this point, that, right? More than more that, that at this I think. Point? And that's for the how fast the special effects curve in the industry right. and technology changes. It's still top notch. To still be pushed ahead yep. that way. That's impressive. Okay. So I give him credit for that, but, but he can't do that twice. No. I mean, really, realistically speaking, he did it for Titanic. It, you know, look what it did for that. Well, he, say, uh, was he, just, he was quoted recently as saying, you're going to see stuff you've never seen before. I just can't. I mean... I, I do think you do get to a point of no return in technology. You know what I mean? Like, you got to that point where you can't push any more than you already have. Right. We were just talking the other week about HDTV versus 4K. And i got to be honest with you. I'm a tech person. I don't see much difference between HD and 4K. Right. I mean, I do think we're getting to a point of no return. We're... Or diminishing, 4K, or diminishing, diminishing returns. returns. Where 4K and HD are so close, eh, is it really worth right. getting rid of a TV to go get a 4K? I, I personally don't think so. I don't. I mean, if you're buying a new difference. one and the prices are down right, enough, like, sure. Right. Like but. if my TV futzes out and I have nothing, you know, then I'll go get a 4K, sure, probably because it won't be anything else out there. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not. Like it used to be people would, you know, want to upgrade, right? Like, want to be from Blu-ray to DVD, because look at the... Or from DVD to Blu-ray, because look at the huge difference. But the reality is, I'm not yeah. seeing the huge differences anymore. And this is way... I know we're way off topic, and we got to get back to the trailers. That's but okay. Just just to talk about technology, I own an HDTV that I bought, I want to say, about nine years ago. Okay. First flat screen. I went from the big, bulky, right, deep, yep. you know, cathode ray, whatever. I was going to say, was it one of the rear projection? No, it wasn't that big. But it okay. was a, it was like the biggest desk set you could get, okay. type big one. Yep. Got the new one. Do you know how much it cost me to get a flat screen, 1080p, not smart, nothing else, 42-inch HD? I would have no idea because I haven't looked for any TVs lately. Back then, I'm talking. Okay. I think it probably, was... Probably a thousand or two. It was like... Thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, yep. This same TVs now that are sixty inch are like six hundred bucks. Yeah, I know. So it just amazes me how how the technology not only drops is moving in faster, price. but it drops in price. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just because the manufacturer has gotten that efficient. Oh yeah. With these TVs and, and larger things like that. So anyway, sorry. So back to our to annihilation. So so Gary, what do you think? Would you be willing to see a trippy movie like this, or is this kind of like not up your right now? No. Okay. So why not? What do you mean right now? I haven't seen anything that made me go, wow. Okay. Cool. How does that work for you when when they do release trailers like this 
that are purposely vague, that really don't tell you what the movie's about. That, does that work for you? Or, or do, do you, you need not? more info? I need a little more info on it, but I, I don't watch it in the theater. Then I'll catch it like on HBO or uh, on demand or whatever. And then like, I should have went and seen it in the theater. Right. <laughs> but right now I don't see nothing that makes me want, want to go run run out and watch it. it and it does it does have a, it's going to have a more limited audience I think it, they really need to come out with something between now and February that is super it grabs people's attention yeah really grabs your attention because right now I, I don't see it like the, just the, a shot straight on of Natalie Portman unbuttoning her shirt and then cut to credits and it's like okay he's going to come in. see the movie and I'm in no. oh, I'm sorry that was horrible no, <laughs> what, what didn't it give me the go me, me neither I was just, um, she's not my type the one, the one th- neither was Sigourney Weaver and yet aliens tried that <laughs> <laughs> the the one scene that I did want, I want to know a little more about is the uh, four people standing there their grass. Yeah, they were like or, made of or, leaves and branches. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Bushes or I don't know what? if that's people who like died and something grew exactly in their form, or if there's some sort of thing living there that's sculpting things to look like people because well, it's its way of communicating. Right. Well, yeah. there's there's a scene, there's one scene with the one girl there's looking at her arm and there's like. Plant, oh, a plant that's right. Grown out that's of right. Them. Right. So I'm wondering if that, that's like it grows. What, what it grows them. through them or something, right. kind of like uh, like an alien coming out of your chest, but this time it's a plant coming yeah, through your skin. I'm very interested. See, those are the types of things that intrigue me. So I want to know. Intrigued me was the trees that were burning in the background, but yeah. they were all kind of pulling towards each other. You know. Did you I see the simple those... shot where there were the two animals that looked kind of like elk? Yep. Yes. Their antlers were branches, right, with flowers growing yep. out of them. So yeah. it wasn't like they were. T- and one of them looked normal, and the other looked like it, I don't know if it was skinned or just weird colors. Yeah. Or, it was, yeah. It was I'm, weird looking. Yeah, I mean it's trippy. It'll, it'll be interesting. I don't like. I said I don't know. I'll, I got to weigh out whether even more than the movie. I'll maybe it's it got the me theater. interested to look for the novel. Yeah, maybe because I love to find things. That, like that that actually might be something I'd be willing to do is read the novel. Okay, so let's move on to the second trailer that we decided we were going to talk about tonight, and that's the trailer for uh, Punisher, which is Marvel's Punisher, which is going to come out on Netflix. It's odd too because the trailer says it's going to come out in 2017. Well, there's only three months left, and it puts the date so, up, like the, the release date, and then that's kind of all blurred and pixelated right. and everything. But so you know, first off, what do you? They obviously go into the whole background of Frank, Frank Castle, Frank Castle, and and we go into the the background of the family and how his wife gets killed. And the thing is, I don't think that's how she gets killed because didn't they release when it was in? It was in Daredevil that the whole thing happened near a caras- near the carousel because he went back yeah. there to punish. So I think he's having weird hallucinations or dreams about oh, I about people coming to kill so his I mean, family. That's not actually how she dies. I don't think he's that's getting ex- trippy about yeah. it. Yeah, but or, the thing is, I think it's hinting that they may still have died how we saw okay. in, like, near the near the uh, the whole thing, the whole carousel outdoors in right. the Bronx or wherever they were. But then maybe it wasn't an accident. Maybe uh, he uh, found out someone was sent to do it to punish right. to kill him, and now he's interpreting it in his dreams. Well, I'm wondering if the one scene where they make it look like she got shot, if that was like they showed up to his house to torture him or something. You know what I mean? Oh, and, maybe yeah. And maybe they they used her against him for a while, and then then finally took care of her later on at the carousel. Maybe that kind of made me thought about that. But I mean, like, there's definitely implications here that he worked for Homeland Security and the CIA. There's definitely implications that they had created almost a Jason Bourne esque type guy that maybe got a little out of control for them. Uh, you know, do you guys think all this plays out as a good Punisher show? I mean, like, does this feel like the Punisher to you? Oh yeah, That's they've right. got the major bits down: the military history, the family murdered, seeks revenge. 
how much detail they put into it and how much they tweak it for modern day the Homeland Security, CIA and all that that didn't exist back when he was created, I'm okay with because it's just bringing him more up to date. Yeah, just um, bringing it up. So to me, I think they are being pretty darn accurate with it. Two things I got to say about it. One, the choice of music in the trailer is awesome. It's all Metallica. Yeah. Yep. And it's a really good choice to kind of just get it driving. Two, the way that the, the, in the day and age we live, one of the things that surprises me is that they're pushing a show that's this violent about a vigilante. Yeah. It's, it's I want to see how they're going to walk this line. Because in Daredevil, he never was really the hero hero. He, right. he did stuff that helped out Matt Murdock and Matt Murdock had to defend him, but he was always portrayed as, well, he's going to jail and he's a killer and that and that. Right. How are they going to make it so they do a whole show on him and you, you're you okay with what he does? All right. Well, I first off, I don't I don't think you can – you can't walk the Punisher back. Do you know what I'm saying? No, like you it, can't. It, it, so if, if, you, if you do anything to draw any of that back, then a lot of fans are just going to scream and say, you've ruined this this great thing that's been out there. I, I really think the only way they can do it is just to put, up, put it out there straight up. I mean, like, that's the story. Everybody knows the Punisher story. So, I, I, I mean, honestly, I think what Marvel's trying to do is this is the Punisher story. And if you don't want to watch the Punisher, just don't go watch this show. Right, right. You know, if you don't want to see that violence, you don't want to see Punisher doing the things that he does, maybe this isn't the show for you. <laughs> it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an even stronger worded warning at the beginning of the show. Well, I think be. there's going to be, there's going to have to be. I almost think they're going to have to put a don't try this at home almost kind of feel to that warning. With Iron Fist doing yeah. as poorly as it did. Uh-huh. The Defender is not being very well received. No. And now in humans going through all the trouble it's having, do you think they're kind of uh, putting their hopes on this? That if this is a fourth in a row, are we kind of done? Well, and you got to remember, too, the other thing a lot of people aren't talking about is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't doing so hot either. I mean, as far as, like, statistics are concerned, they're try- Disney's trying to act like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s got this great following, and it does. It has a cult following of people, but the reality is... Looking at the statistics of the number of people watching the show, it is down. It is not doing well. I I just don't know why Marvel can't seem to get the crap together on TV. And it's funny because when you look at the two universes, I know I know I always compare the two. DC's got some pretty cool TV shows going on because you know why? Because they're going full comic book, right? And, and, and they're all over the map. This That's is a really weird. This, thing about this is it all, what's right? interesting. This is what's interesting. You you do Marvel movies, they're bright, they're colorful, they're comic booky, and they're action packed. Right. You do Marvel TV, they keep trying to ground it in reality. Right. It's the realistic dark, heroes. They're, they're yeah. darker and they're grittier. Right. It's the exact opposite with DC. Right. You do your movies and they're dark and they're gritty and they're not working. And you do your TV and it's bright and colorful, comic booky. And I, I know some of them are dark or violent, but for the most part, they're Honestly, being much the more. Honestly, the TV shows aren't as dark and right. violent as everybody thinks they they're are. doing. Much more comic booky with it. Right. So it's like it's very clear what people seem to enjoy. They want the comic so booky approach. Why, why aren't they playing that out to both sides? I guess that's the they, part I don't understand. It, like, it is amazing how yin and yang they are to each other, the two companies, and right. how they're doing the exact opposite of each other through the two mediums and having the same results. Right. And, and the only thing I can say is, like, once one company figures out how to click in the other side, that's it. That'll be the company on top, and the yeah. other one will just basically not be able to compete anymore. And with Wonder Woman coming out and being a success, and then yep. maybe Justice League being a big hit, you know, DC might start getting Could. both. But the thing, the thing still about DC is they still rushed it. They still don't yep. have the built history. I and think... they're admitting they're not trying to make that much of a connective tissue between anything. Right. You know, and that, I think, does bother me slightly. And, and the big problem with DC is they, they have to keep rebooting everything. Right. 
and because the actors don't want to stay stay in the job and, yeah. and, and play that role and all that. And the funny thing is, is openly admitted, the the guy who played the Flash in the current TV series had said he's disappointed they didn't come to him and ask him to play the Flash in the movie. He would have openly done it. He said he would have been glad to do it. I mean, the Arrow, uh, Amell, Stephen Amell has said he would love to play the Arrow in the movies. Not that he's ever been asked. Who's the other one? Supergirl. She said she would have happily played Supergirl. But again, they never bothered to even come to her, ask her, you know. So they've got all this great potential in DC that they could have tapped in on, and it was a wasted moment. And then yet, I, I feel like on Marvel, like, they could not have come up with, in this case, for The Punisher. To me, there could not have been a better Frank Castle He's they got him. Actor. He's, I mean, he he's, is John awesome. Bernthal is the right choice at the right time. Coming I mean, off just, of Walking Dead, yep. having the presence he has, yep. he's a perfect fit. And I just think he'll be able to pull it off. You know, what do you guys think about the stylized skull? It's changed slightly from the original Punisher. Are, are we cool with the new stylized skull? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, he had those the almost the baton like yeah. white things like in the front teeth, of his belt yeah. that became the teeth of the skull, which is yeah. what gave it the elongated look. Right. Since they're not doing that down into his groin, it would be <laughs> it would be more squished and flattened, and I'm okay yeah. with it. But I like that he spray paints it on himself, and it's yeah, kind of a too. rough look. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, it's not all clean, and it's all kind of you know almost uh, what do you call it graffiti art esque. You know, I love I like that style. Do you like the new skull, Gary? Or, or it's all right. It's okay. Yeah, I didn't know if you. Would... We're gonna see it on everything. Oh, I think so. <laughs> and you know, there's gonna be a million and one Punisher costumers, and that's my next fear is Comic Cons. Costumers who are dressed like the Punisher, and of course, after Phoenix and everything else that has happened, what's that going to mean for? Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be. That's going to be. It's kind of like the guys that dress up in Deadpool just to act like a total twit. You know, I mean, like I'm, I'm over that. And I'm going to be really over the Punisher if people get in that costume just to act all mean and yeah nasty and. You know? Talking about costuming, did you hear about the thing that happened? I'm not sure which show it was recently with the people dressed in the SS uniforms. No, they were walking around a show. I don't know which one it was. It was only a couple weeks ago. And it was Hello Kitty SS. So they were in the whole Nazi regalia, dark hats, dark clothes, but their bands were like a Hello Kitty band. Okay. And they had like a Hello Kitty symbol on their hat. Yeah. But still, people were like, "That's it's too far. You're, you're doing... You're not supposed to be able to dress as, like, Nazis at the shows. That's one of the things that I think was explicitly in their, in their costuming bylines. No hate groups, no nothing like that. You know, no nothing, and that's what that would. I mean, not the Nazis, right. even though it's a historical costume, it would fall under that. And then they did this twist on it, and in the end, they stayed the show. But there was a lot of complaints. I think eventually they were ushered out, but it took way longer for them to step up and go. Okay, this probably isn't the right. There's a lot of people complaining, so that was recently in it. I was just wondering huh. what you guys thought. No, mm-hmm. I had not heard anything about that. I'll have to research that, and maybe we could talk about it next time. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so the next trailer we wanted to talk about, this this is uh, this is an interesting trailer. This is Thor Ragnarok's international trailer. So we're talking about, I think it was Japan or China. It looks like China. The, the, this, this trailer came from now. It, opens, it opens him up with him announcing, you'll get to see it in China. Right, in China, <laughs> that's right. Which, you know, a lot of people don't understand, but China doesn't just allow any movie into China. So you, you have to pass their stringent expectations. So, and they also have to do some major editing to some American movies to get them into China. Yeah. Um, but it, China it's is a an huge market. market. It's it, a lot of movies market. that don't succeed in America can do make well back there. their budget and stuff if they do well overseas. And it's interesting because right off the bat, one of the first things we see is Doctor Strange in yeah. this trailer, which we have not seen yet. I love the fact that Hela's got... They show her shadow of her 
uh, I don't know what you call those the head on the top of her headdress. But they're moving like spider they're legs. moving like spider, yeah, like arms. It folds or, in. I just thought neat. that was so cool. I'm she, like, she's a good costume. And I'm, yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I totally see a whole bunch of female characters oh, like costuming time. hella over the next three or four well, years. Well, because even. even without the headdress, they could just go the goth look with a sword. Right, with the sword know, and, and everything be like, else. They'll, they'll love it. And you know what else? I I think it's gonna throw people off from what I'm getting from what we see. That's the Valkyries too. I just realized that. Yeah. I think what's gonna throw people off is Loki is probably going to be a good guy again. For, Which for we a good know part of this, as yeah. comic book yeah. readers, that's not uncommon. You know, Loki always was like, yeah, he's bad. Hope he's good. Yeah, he's bad. You know, but I mean, to moviegoers, that's gonna be that's gonna throw them off. I think. Yeah. Well, he worked with they were they worked together in Thor too. True, but only to that bitter end, you know what I mean? And then he was right back in the Well, in at the, the very, very end, he had right. changed, and he'd, he'd taken Odin's place. Right, right. So he had gone, it's like the whole movie, you're like, oh, thanks for working and helping out, and then, oh, he goes and does something right. like that. So, you know, I mean, but I love this new trailer. I don't know, there's something about this trailer that makes it feel a little more epic, gives it a little bit more to it. I love the fact that we're seeing them fight on the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. And that they're actually going through the Rainbow we got Bridge. Surgery. and. That was the big reveal for me, is you never saw Surtur before. And he's now, is that the this. big guy in That's fire? right there. And there is a huge, one of the greatest storylines ever, and I have the, all the issues. And who, it was drawn by, and I can't think of his name now. Okay, okay. Uh, was it Simon, 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 what the hell's his name? I'd have to look it up. I'm really failing all my comic book friends right now, because <laughs> I, I, Walt. Simonson. Simonson. Yep. was one of the greatest, I think that's the right one, greatest Thor artist. He's got this very line work way of drawing he did yeah. a whole series of books it was epic where Surtur invaded Asgard and lit okay. his sword on the Asgardian fire and fought everybody in the very end spoiler alert hopefully not for the movie but at the very end Surtur and Odin I think die together by tumbling into the abyss of nothing oh. it's kind of like you know a lot like uh, Gandalf and the the Belrog yeah. okay. but it was just great epic huge armies of Asgard fighting against this thing and Asgard falling and it was this was back in the 80s it was just a great classic series and to see Surtur coming back I'm like oh they're they're really paying tribute to all the old classic stuff that happened in these books. Well, and having the Valkyries come in, I'm like sitting here thinking, like that's why I got excited about the Valkyries because that brings on a whole nother level of characters that could be brought into the Thor universe or even into the Marvel universe through Thor. Yeah. So now you're talking about all sorts of other characters that could be jump brought in. Technically, Hercules was connected with the Valkyries at one point. Black Knight, yes, I'm actually saying that was connected with the Valkyries. Maybe that gives me hope that Black Knight could appear somewhere. Somewhere. For those who don't know, I recently did a uh, costume as Black Knight, so I'm hoping actually to enter a costume contest sometime soon in the Black Knight, and we'll see if that gets me anywhere. And maybe it won't, but that's okay. I still had fun making the costume. It was yeah. it's an awesome costume, and I love wearing it. I, I like I can't wait to get back into it again. It's just that one of those fun costumes I love to do. The only thing that worries me about this trailer is there's a lot going on. Yep. And is it going to be all rushed? Is it going to be 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, move on to the next thing and, and be too much? Or do they really have a good through line that carries Thor through all these experiences, ties it all together, is epic? Because let's face it, up to this point, the, the both Thor movies, while perfectly serviceable, have been kind of the, the weak link of the Marvel Universe. Neither of them were these, oh, we love yeah. the movies. They're not, they're not the ones that are the big draw. The folks who admitted that the second movie for Guardians of the Galaxy was slow and maybe didn't have all the things in it it should have had have openly admitted this movie will make up for what you lacked in 
the second Guardians movie, that they admitted that they didn't put all their eggs in that basket all that well, but that they did, the reason they didn't, was because they did put it all into Thor. I'm really so hoping I'm it's a good movie. I'm thinking that's what you're going to see here. I'm, th- I'm thinking this is going to be a huge step in the right direction for Thor. Um, unfortunately, Guardians had to suffer a little bit for it. Right. You know? Still so haven't seen, that's my next one of the ones I got to see. I got to see Guardians, but. I, you know, I, either people love it or hate it. That's uh, that's another one of those weird movies that either they loved it and they thought it was great or they really hated it and didn't like it. I mean, I liked it. I actually liked the second Guardians movie. I don't, Gary, where did you end up on it? I don't. You were still trying to figure out where you were on it, and I yeah. still think you're trying to figure out where you are on it. <laughs> I liked some of it and hated the other half of it. Yeah. I, the only part I didn't like was, and you'll get there, is the, the planet. Ego. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like the way they portrayed Ego. I'll we'll have to um, check it out. That, so when you when you watch it, we'll talk about that, because there's there's a element of that that bothered me slightly. It was everything else I thought was awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably the only person that says, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I get it. I actually you know, understand I, why you would say, eh. I, I, didn't, I didn't love it, and I didn't hate it, so... Yeah. Okay, so our last trailer we're going to cover is actually a video game trailer, and I'm not often somebody who, like, jumps at video game trailers, you know? I mean, like, I don't know, it's a video game, it's a video game. But I gotta admit, this video game trailer for Star Wars Battlefront 2 is, like, so epic, and actually has me excited for Battlefront 2. Now, for those that don't know, two years ago when Battlefront came out, I got a PS4, and I didn't get just get any PS4. I got the amazing Star Wars PS4 with Darth Vader etched on the thing, and Star Wars etched on all my controllers. So I just, I love my PS4 just because of that. But, you know, this game makes the original Battlefront look like a kitten. I mean... I've, tr- I've actually complained to you guys about the original Battlefront, the problems I've had with it, the things I don't like about it. Like, I can't just straight up just play a sh- first-person shooter element in the game. Right. Almost like Call of Duty, which I love, would love to be able to do, and you can't. I like the fact that there's more locations in this, and there's more heroes. and The vehicles, I... You know, that's funny. They're like, there's more vehicles. I'm like, I could care less about there being more vehicles, to be honest with you. But, okay, so you're, you're, you're adding some vehicles to it. What I like is just the way they're thinking through some of these things. Like the fact that you could be fighting in the air and on the land at the same time. You don't have to have them going on separately. Or even just having the different classes and the fact that you can uh, customize those classes. You couldn't do that in Battlefront. And that was the part that was very, um, I don't know, it was disappointing, I guess, is the best way to put it. So, I mean, Eric, you had said... This was convincing you of something. I'm thinking of actually getting a next gen. I'm still playing an Xbox 360. Right. And I'm tempted to go next generation because I'd, I'd like to have this to play through the winter. I would really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, what brought you to the Xbox 360? Like, what game drew you to want to go to the 360? I was a PlayStation guy for PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. Okay. Loved them all. Thought I'd always be a PlayStation person. And then fable came out for the xbox okay. the original xbox i'm mm-hmm. like I, I really want to play that game you know and i i had i was uh i've been divorced like recently so it was a typical middle-aged uh, well i guess i was middle-aged back then kind of guy near middle age <laughs> you're middle-aged <laughs> and uh you know i was just like i'm gonna buy myself a gaming system because i can because no one's gonna tell me no and i bought myself an xbox and i got fable and i played it and i loved it it was fun and then i started playing more xbox games and then the thing that got me was all my friends who decided to get into online gaming all got Xboxes. Okay. So I would play Battlefront with them, and I would play Halo with them, yep. and I would play these different online games, and that was my online experience was through the Xbox. So I've kind of just stayed with it. And now that's why I'm actually thinking I might get an Xbox One X when I switch. I would love to get a PS4 so we could game, but... <laughs> it, 
You know, as I can't get both, and most of the I know, people I know, I get it. I get on, it on Xbox. I know, I get it, and that's that's all my all the guys in the Falco clan rip on me for having a PS4. And but you know what it is is I I stuck with the PlayStation models, so I got used to the controllers, and I, I've you know what I mean. So I've gotten used to how to play off those controllers, and I gotta admit, like there every time I've upgraded <laughs> from one system to another, it's a Star Wars game that causes me to upgrade. Yeah. So. You know, it, whether it was Bounty Hunter, which got me, I think, to the PS2, and then going from the PS2 to the PS3 was the original Battlefront game, and then ironically going from the PS3 to the PS4's Battlefront again. And, uh, you know, if this were to go on to another... I gotta admit, if this were to go on another console, I'd probably be getting it just to get Battlefront 2, because I, I, this is awesome. I, I can't wait to be able to play some of this stuff. It makes me disappointed in Battlefront. Like, right. why couldn't they do this at, at it Battlefront? It sounds like their focus for Battlefront was the visuals. And it was, and they were great visuals. Don't get me wrong. The, the game is clear and crisp, and it's probably one of the better games I've played. I mean, I play things like Call of Duty and Battlefield and stuff like that, but the the visuals are not as clear as they are on Battlefront. It's definitely crisp in Battlefront. I'm also excited about the idea of this this single player campaign. campaign. Single player campaign to me, that's actually more exciting than the online playing. Is the idea that we're going to see these special forces and a new type of TIE pilot. and You run um, into characters from the classic trilogy. Right, yeah, you know, I mean, like, this is cool. And, and they said it specifically is going to tell an in-canon story. Right. Bridging after Return of the Jedi through, right. I don't know if all the way up to Force Awakens, but. So it's almost got that element yeah, that, like, uh, Knights of the Old Republic had. Where it's I, 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 I think they said right up to the that would be, Force Awakens. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of want to get it and play through the single. I mean, I'll play through the single player mode and then. I'll go online and I'll yeah. I, I got to admit, I'll, probably the first thing I'll do when I get it is play through the single player before I even go online. Because why bother till I play through the single player? I like the look of the new Tie Pilots. I mean, to the point that I'm looking at, gee, how much would that cost to make that <laughs> uh, for costuming? But you know, I, I like the look of the. I just like the, the the whole idea, the premise behind the game is is just awesome and. I'll probably be plunking some change down. I might be asking for it for Christmas. I think that that'll It'd be, be a good one. one. Gary, what do you think? Like, is this something that would cause you to want a game suddenly? I know you were a gamer at one point in time, right? Yeah. When did you stop? When or why? Yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> he got tired of Pong. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, when the online content, and I didn't. All the DLCs for Pong were just yeah. annoying. Yeah. It was slow <laughs> downloading it and everything, so. <laughs> the new balls. They kept putting new balls on it. I couldn't handle it. My pail kept uh, wearing out. <laughs> <laughs> My little knob. What did you use to kids play? Are going, what games what, you liked? Kids are going, what's a paddle? <laughs> yeah. I, I started with the PS1. Well, actually, Sega Genesis is what I originally started with. Unless you want to go old school with Atari 2600. I was say, did you have an Atari? Like, yeah. We had an Atari 5200 in my house. I had, I had 2600. Okay, and then we got the we got the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. And that was my predecessor. I'm pretty, yeah, that was the predecessor before my PlayStation One. That that those were the two. I did have a Nintendo GameCube for a while, and then I got to college and I sold it. I, it's why we bought it recently. Yeah, because that was so sad when I sold my GameCube. I don't know why I did that. I, but anyway, so you don't want to know the game systems I've had. You probably have more than me, huh? I had the original Pong. Okay, I did the, too. With the the yellow kind of boomerang looking thing. I had friends who had it. So I, I had um, where, where you had sit sit on the. Between two people, you yeah. want to play two people? Yeah. 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 I had um, a Commodore 64. I had that too. That I gamed with. Maniac Mansion, still one of the best games ever. I had an Amiga for a little while. Okay. We had a Bally Arcade system for a little while, which was cassette tape based. Yep. I'm, I remember, yep. 
we had an Atari 2400. Oh, wow. And then we had a ColecoVision. All right. And then when I started getting out of games, it was right when my nephew started getting in. So he had every Nintendo, <laughs> you know, the GameCubes and the 60, N64s. And so I played Mario 64 because it was in our house because our nephew was living with us at the time. And so all the systems he got, I played. And so I played through, through those. And then, you know, then I went PlayStation 1 and then PlayStation 2, then Xbox. Now Xbox 360. I have my Mac. <laughs> So it's quite you a You know bit. what's funny is nobody at this table's ever owned a Dreamcast. I never did. Or, I, an, I, or an Intellivision. I that had tons one. of friends who were into gaming. Nobody ever bought a Dreamcast. I don't... That's why it didn't last. I was going to say, like, I... <laughs> well, the, the, the Dreamcast was almost identical to the PS2, I think it was. I agree with you, and that's kind of why I didn't and, jump at it. And they never had any games for it. Right. Yeah, that, that was the biggest problem. That was the biggest problem. You create a system, but there's not a lot of games right. to go with the system. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough sell because PlayStation bought all the gamers, the right. game game people up. And... So, what got you out of gaming? Time. Yeah. <laughs> I can agree with that. I mean, it's the Isn't same. It with adulting, me. doesn't it suck? <laughs> I fire uh, up sorry. Sky. I'm still playing through the original Skyrim, which came out in 2011. <laughs> Okay, and I'm sorry, I'm I, laughing because I'm doing the same weird thing. I, I have God of War, and I yeah, still haven't finished. It. I fire up the game. I fired it up just about a week ago to play some for you know an hour or two here, just complete a mission or you know a quest or something. And I'm looking, I'm going over old save files, and I'm seeing like February 2014, <laughs> January 2012. I'm saving over old games, I'm like my, and they're like not uh-huh. off my save list. Right. They're they're still on they're there. Still on I'm there. like, oh boy, I I had a lot of old games. And the funny thing about it is, I never paid full price. Or game system, I haven't either. Yeah, I know. Um, I'd always have someone that I worked with that needed the money, and they, they just went out and bought an Xbox or whatever, and they just sell it to me for next to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I've I've either bought them either second gen, like you know somebody bought them, brought them back to the store, and I bought it, or I would wait until the price. Like I never bought it at the original price point. I would right, always right. wait two well, or three years and buy it. Like well, well, even at the, the the price break, I never bought it at that either. Okay. So, um, my my Xbox, I bought. Um, if you were to add everything that came with it up, brand at brand new price. Yeah. It was over a thousand bucks. I got for uh, two hundred eighty bucks, <laughs> and that came with a big carrying case and everything. For right. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to Battlefront 2. I think it's cool. Gary's and, like, maybe I'll actually start gaming again. <laughs> and uh, the reason why I bought the Xbox is because of the Knights of the Republic. Yep. That's right. Which that's I never, right. that's one me. game I wish I played. I never it's did. An awesome I never did. I, I always it's an wish awesome I had. game. I mean, so, to the point that if I ever find it, maybe in an old system, I might buy the two and, and just to play through it and say I've done it, you know? I still got my Xbox, so I might yeah. just have to dig it out and bring it up to you. There we go. <laughs> I would love to play through the whole thing because I've never, I never have, and I, I don't care about graphics. I mean, heck, I'm still playing all the old Resident Evil games. Yeah. <laughs> what do I care about graphics? And um, <laughs> I beat it twice, Light Side and Dark Side. Oh, wow. So you got to really experience it. Yep. So, Gary, is this enough, do you think, to get you on a... Well, I said I might have to go out and get one. Cool. Or cool. uh, steal my uh, nephews. Well, that's why I'm, I'm saving <laughs> I'm saving right now, because... Um, which, 
Nice announcement, by the way. It looks like I might have two shows in New York City. Awesome. People, appearances, doing chalk art, and you might be at one of them, depending on your interests, so I'll be around. You're just not allowed to move there. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> but when I get... No, I'm, I don't want to. <laughs> Believe me, I can take the city in small doses. Yeah, I After agree about you. four days, yeah. I'm like, okay, I need some space. Small doses, yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, for Gary, that would be five minutes at a time. But uh, I won't be down for New York Comic Con. That's not the show I'm doing, so I won't see anybody there, but... They are both in the Javits, and they're both in November, and I think you could figure it out just by looking at the schedule what kind of shows might bring me. I'm put not it, announcing Put it together, yet, people. Put it together. If I get both of those and I have some extra funds, I, uh, I I may invest in a system for myself for Christmas. Awesome. So what we're saying is all we want for Christmas is our two battlefront. Yeah. Well, that's what we want, two battlefront. All I want for Christmas is my two battlefront. My two battlefront. So those are our thoughts on lots of things here. We just talked about all sorts of trailers. The trailer for Annihilation, the trailer for Marvel's Punisher, the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, trailer for Battlefront 2. We're trailer happy right now. Mm. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say, so email us at galaxycast.gmail.com or head on over to our website, galaxycast.gmail.com. Let us know what you think. And again, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. And, you know, go look for us on YouTube. Yes, we are there, too. We have a YouTube channel. Check it out. And we're going to be back in just a little bit. We're going to do something different for you. No, we're not watching the Orville continuing. I know we said we would last time. What we decided to do instead is we're going to watch the very first episode of Star Trek Discovery. And we're going to compare Discovery and the Orville. Which one is more like Star Trek? We're hoping to answer that question for you when we're back after the break. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Pair it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? 
the phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So I mean you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. At Long Bank, we're with you every step of the way. We sell your dreams. We're not a soulless monolithic institution. We are, but we use nostalgic imagery. It's walking into your dream home. You can't really afford it. We'll lend you the money anyway. It's kids graduating from college. With pointless degrees riddled with debt. It's happy picnics on the beach. There's sewage in the water. Family portraits with everyone dressed the same. You look like twats. Canoeing in the lake. By the power station. Catching fireflies in a jar. And watching them die. Cheering at high school football games. The kids are giving each other brain damage. These are the things our lives are made of. Interest rates only 33.4%. Long Bank. We're the American bank that truly more or less cares. About profits. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Kenner. The biggest, most realistic force in the universe. Only the power of the Force brings you the biggest heroes and villains straight from the movies. And the largest fleet of full-scale vehicles ever. We bring you the real movie detail of the Rebel Snowspeeder, the blazing lights of the Luke Skywalker lightsaber, and the big movie sounds of the X-Wing. When it comes to big size, big detail, and big movie sounds, now you're playing with the power. Star Wars, power of the Force. Figures and vehicles each sold separately. Batteries not included, only from Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. We just got done watching the very first episode of Star Trek Discovery, which recently came out. And now we're going to talk about Discovery and compare that with the Orville episode one, which we actually talked about in our last episode. And before we move on really quick, just a one brief comment. We are in episode 198, guys. 
This is unbelievable. We're about to hit the big 200 of our and, podcast. Uh, of our He's podcast. not talking about shows we're watching. <laughs> no, of, of our podcast. And uh, I'm excited. The next two episodes are going to be a big deal. So pay attention. We're going to have some trivia thrown in and possibility of winning some contests. And we're going to draw try to draw some attention to episode 200. And I got some special recordings for you coming for episode 200. I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, lots of celebrities to talk to us. For episode 200, which I'm totally excited about. You guys are going to love it. Okay, so let's talk about this. We didn't say much while we watched the show. Let's talk about Star Trek Discovery. So, Eric, this was your first time viewing. This was my second time. Gary, is it your only your second time, I'm assuming? Yeah. Gary watched it from behind his eyelids. That's <laughs> uh, where I watch a lot of good stuff. I know, I know. Yeah, you're really good with that. So, what did you guys think? Eric, what did you think of Star Trek Discovery? It was an interesting way to start a series. Instead of traveling around many locations, it all takes place in one small area, mostly during what turns out to be a standoff. Yep. I liked the the mystery of the object, which wasn't a mystery, because anyone watching the show would go, oh, cloaking device. You know, we right. know that Klingons can cloak, and we're used to it for decades. But from the point of view of the crew, it's a mystery to uncover. It could be, as she said, a damaged creature, her creature a new life form, or who knows. So they went. she went to explore it. I did like the science approach to the environment of the Enterprise, the the call-outs of all the techno-jargon setting up for her just to take a spacewalk, a space flight, really, right. in her suit. The read-offs of the, of the communications and the, the, you know, all the details they put into the science of this ship running, at least for that spacewalk portion, I thought were really neat. My overall feeling... And this is just my first gut thought, and and a lot of it is based also upon... It didn't really solidify until I saw the trailer for what's coming up in the season, or at least in the next episode. If the entire show, or at least the season, is about war and fighting, it's not the Star Trek I know. Right. Now, granted, it's about meeting the Klingons. We know that the Klingons and the Federation in the history had a rough... did not work well together at least for the original series. But with so much of us having grown up on the next generation and everything moving forward, with so much of us used to the Klingons now being a part of the Federation and being crew on the Enterprise and having a character so liked as Worf, Mm -hmm. for them to to release this series, and it looks like they are changing Klingon culture. They've obviously changed Klingon look. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Let's face it. They changed Klingon look when The Next Generation came out from what the Klingons originally looked like. And I'm sure at the time, for original series fans, that was a shock. To see Worf look the way he did, they're like, wow, that's what Klingons look like now? So that's kind of happening to us again. But here's the problem. That's happening to people who are still the same generation of fans. Next Generation came out, I think, long enough after... Yeah, funny thing is, it's probably been about the same amount of time when you think about it. <laughs> it has but been. with but here's the thing: the gap between the original series and Next Generation was not full of Star Trek stuff. There wasn't Correct. books and comics and novels, and there was some things like that, but it was rare, and it was a cult following of a small group and you know fans who knew it and remembered it, and it wasn't showing on TV all the time or didn't have a movies series released. Now it's had all that. It's much harder to do the same thing again and say we're going to redefine what Klingons look like. We're going to redefine what the universe looks like. Because everyone's still in the old universe. In fact, the old universe is still being added to as far as I know. It could be added to. We could have more. I almost kind of wish they 
and I don't kind of, I do wish they hadn't gone back in time to retell an old story differently. I wish they'd gone and looked forward again because that's what the series is always about, looking forward. And it seems to be, at least in this first episode, betraying some ideas of what Star Trek is from the scientific and exploratory and learning aspect, the infighting with the crew. I know they're trying to put some history with that, with her having an emotional attachment to to uh, obviously something in her past when the Klingons killed people that she knew. I know they're trying to tie it to its advice coming from a logical race. So she's maybe, you know, does that apply to them? Can they use it? I get everything they're trying to do, but being still so into the Star Trek universe we know from next generation forward that they could just keep adding to and expanding and giving us more and telling us something. They haven't told us a series that takes place after Next Generation and after D- Deep Space Nine and stuff like that. For how long now? I mean, Voyager was kind of co, kind of side by side. All those series were kind of side by side because characters yeah. crossed over. So none of them we, were we in the future. We haven't gone beyond the timeline. We haven't of gone Deep beyond Space that Nine. timeline. Yeah. And that to me seems what they were pri- was primed. I think people want would have wanted was hey, let's see all that, and let's go forward again. And instead, we're it's like. Eh, forget what you knew about the, the Klingons being friends. We're going to go back to them being enemies. We're going to tell old stories. It's going to become more warlike and gritty. We're again doing the whole gritty thing. More mm-hmm. real. I don't mind the realism. I like the science. I like all the extra they can do with that. The visuals were movie level quality. They were awesome. Yep. Good visuals. Uh, the way they filmed it, the way they approached it, the angles of showing things in the, in the, in the ship. It made me always think about anti-gravity or floating in space at odd angles and stuff. I liked the camera work. I like Doug Jones as that science officer who's always got that kind of, he's almost a coward in a way, which is right. an interesting approach that that's what he's bred into though. It's you, you understand that's his race. So they have a lot of cool things about the idea, but the overall conceit of the show and where they're going with it isn't Star Trek to me. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm sitting after just one episode. Gary, what were your thoughts? Because you were pretty irate when you came over tonight to talk about Discovery. What what ticked you off about this show? You weren't happy about the show. What? Why weren't you happy about the show? Uh, well, I'll start with the Klingon ships. Okay. They're too advanced. Mm-hmm. For the, the... For the time frame. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, 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 I can go... I can give... I can take the speed bump Klingons. I know it doesn't really fit in with the early uh, Star Trek stuff from the original series. I understand that. Enterprise explained it enough for me. I can, I, I'm okay with that. So why don't you explain that a minute? Because I know not everybody watched Enterprise, and that's the sad part. To me, Enterprise did a good job of explaining the Klingons, and I don't think people remember that. So what... what... Well, Dr. Sunian, I think it is. Yep. And created data. Uh, Sunian Noon. Uh, yeah. yeah. Made the eugenic people, the, the, the people that Khan was, super bred them, bred the, the, the humans. And the Klingons found where his secret base was, stole the data, and tried doing that with their own people. And that's how they went from original series Klingons to, to next generation Klingons. No. Correct. Well, no. Klingons always had the speed bumps. Right. Right, but they were very minor in the original series. And they were much, obviously, limitations of makeup. No, no, in the original series, they never had the speed bumps. Yeah, there were no oh, speed bumps. it was the bumps. eyebrows, right, the whatever. Right, right. So the original series, they're saying the original series doesn't... 
The original series Klingons are these the superbred, superbred, without uh, the speed bumps. What, what what a lot of it was human DNA, and when they merged it with the the Klingon stuff, it just eradicated the speed bumps. Oh, so the Klingons so, always looked kind of like Worf looked, right? But that ones we met in Next Generation were an offshoot. Due no, to in, the original, in the original series, the original in, the original, series. in the original series. Right. Sorry, I meant to say that in the original series with Kirk, were an offshoot due to Nunian Soong. Right, right. DNA do some breeding right. that they did with human DNA, Klingon DNA, and that super. And then they human let that they let that side of them. Since we don't Go. see them in Next Generation, they let that breed out and die off. Correct, because they didn't like yeah, right, it. Right, I love that. That's a great explanation. Right. right, and a lot not a lot of people who again, I I wish more people would watch Enterprise. I think right. that show was so good. I mean, seriously, I did not watch the show initially. I didn't. I Gary, I was going through some tough stuff, and I was just like, I I was like depressed and gary's like dude go watch enterprise you have to go watch it. it's a great show i'm telling you're gonna love it and i fought him and i fought him and i fought him and then i watched it and it was totally worth how many seasons is enterprise i think it's four yeah did it only last four I can. Pro- is that on any of the streaming services? It's on Netflix. It's on oh, Netflix, then I may I'm have to. Sure. I may go just have to it. go and make it that. It is a- totally worth it. And, and I'll admit, I could eat through four seasons it, in a it, couple months. It starts slow. I'm not gonna lie. It starts slow. But if you can kind of chew through the first, like it's like five episodes. It's slow, and then all of a sudden it just starts picking up pace. And really, I mean, like by the end of the show, I was like, why did they cancel this thing? Like I couldn't believe. And you had said that to me. You couldn't believe that they got rid of Enterprise. Because it was just that good. It was, the quality was getting that good, and the stories were amazing. And I'm sure there were more amazing stories they had planned oh, yeah. that they weren't they weren't even able to do. And it's a sad thing because when you look at that, and then you look at Discovery, the two things don't. They're not even. I mean, in my world, even though Discovery's production quality is amazing, the storytelling's not even anywhere near what Enterprise was able to do. Well, again, one episode. This is true. And Enterprise, you just admitted, first episodes in were not good and slow. So could Discovery... I, I think this it could. It could grow in its storytelling very easily once you get to know the characters and they get histories and it builds. But I don't like the general conceit of it. So here's here's my issues with... Well, I'm sorry, Gary. Were you done? I, I Was there anything else that bothered well, you the, about Discovery? The, the other thing is, is the they mess with the mythology for Spock. Yeah. The Eric might not have caught on to that because there's some backstory stuff that was online that no, they, no, no. They... I, I I got it right from the show like what did you what do you mean uh, Sarek is Burnham's teacher stepfather because he and his wife Amanda Spock's parents raised her as a as a baby right oh she's a she's a her, her, she's he, a human raised by right Vulcans. right and I got that because she was in the training right and and I saw Sarek was there as a teacher but I never got that it was. A child of theirs, yeah, that kind of relationship. It's not an actual. Their their child is just that they raised her. Yeah, like a but, step right. See, I didn't get I that. It was like yeah, a stepchild yeah. or not from orphan. this episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that read from this episode. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I it, it was confirmed online. That's okay. you know, so it was it was confirmed that 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 was the case. My see now here's maybe it's the world I come from. I have a lot of problems with Discovery, and I'll explain them. I'll go in order. So my first problem: the technology. Doesn't make sense. So here you have Discovery that's prior to the original Star Trek series. So you have this amazing touchscreen technology. You got a guy in the background going, I'm going to calculate, sir. And he's got something better than a tablet in his hand. And he's calculating it. So if you're going to watch this in timeline order, and you watch that, and then you go to the original series, and it's like, doot, 
you know, I just like, right? Like, so suddenly the technology just doesn't line up from one to the other. I mean, at least in Star Wars, you can say there was a huge war between each one. And that's why the technology sucked, because whatever had great technology was destroyed. You know, so they kind of could pull that off in Star Wars. In Star Trek, there's just no and explanation. Even in for Star it. Trek, they explained it by it being the next generation being what was it, 200 years later? Yeah, right. I mean, they advanced right. it timeline wise. They advanced to timeline. So they, right. they, they, the technology was fine. You could tie the old Trek in to right. the new and be like, well, that's okay. But that's what I'm saying. This one doesn't fit in. And I this know that means, doesn't. And I know that means that's awful, but that means you have to take your set and move it backwards technologically. And I know they don't want to do that. But if they're going to be honest to the timeline and go to pre-original Star Trek, then you better be prepared to technologically move in that direction. And they didn't. They moved backwards. And after the Klingon ships don't fit in, they're advanced. I mean, that's a pretty advanced looking ship compared to the other Star Trek ships we've seen. Even Discovery itself looks better and more advanced than the Enterprise by Next Generation. That part bothered me. I don't like the fact that this isn't about exploration. For, again, first episode. It could first change, episode, but it doesn't look like it's going to change. It doesn't feel that way. Like, even the very first episode of Next Generation, Farpoint. They yep. go to a planet, they explore this creature that they don't know what it is, the tar pit creature, whatever it is. So all Not, that... No, tar pit came later. That, that was, was later. That was what Sorry. Yar. Uh, yeah, the thank you. Yar. This was the... Uh, the far point was the station itself was a living creature. That's right. That the actual held. station. Thank you. I knew and there was, was a creature there. It was a science... It was like an old-fashioned science fiction episode. Absolutely. Where the solution was peaceful. It was to free something, right. not battle with something. Right. Or you look at the first episode of the original Star Trek. They find the creatures with the, the brains, you know. So that was another exploration, finding... What did they discover here? They discovered Klingons that we already knew about. They already knew about. That they already knew about. And what's the first thing we decide to do? We ball up our fist and fight them, really? I mean, like, it just... That's not... That's not Star Trek. And I can't help but think that Gene Roddenberry is rolling in his grave somewhere going, this is not what I was about. I was not about war. I was not about battling Klingons. I wasn't about special effects. I was about telling great science fiction stories. I get the argument they're making in the episode. Everyone else is, is, everyone except kind of the lead character is being true Star Trek. We don't fire first. We're peace, you know, we're whatever. And she's, and I get where her logic comes from. She's doing it from a, from a Vulcan pure logic state. All they understand is is battle, and if you do that, they respect you. Fine, but it seems so outdated because we've moved past it so far in other series already. It's 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 yeah. not working. So here's my final one, and my my cog members will understand this. For those who don't know that, the cog is the Klingon assault group, and that is the original. And I'm going back to the 1990s costumers of Klingons. I am so upset. With what they did to the Klingon race in this episode, it is such a disgrace to the Klingon race. I know you guys have probably never read Klingon or tried to learn it or anything. That's not the Klingon language you're hearing at all. That's They've changed it. They have completely changed it. The verbs are backwards. The adverbs are in the wrong places. I'm, I was listening to it going, whoa, wait a minute. My kids were laughing because I ran downstairs here. I was looking for it again. For my, I got grabbed my Klingon dictionary. So something's not right here because it's not sounding right. And I realized they had changed it, and so they changed the Klingon language. 
the religion definitely looks like it has changed in massive ways. The, they were never like a... They looked almost like Egyptian-style stuff inside. Yeah. They reminded me of the... I think it, in Stargate, who were the, the other side, the Egyptian-looking guys... Yeah, they were. The, I don't remember what they were called. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Like in the Stargate TV show, they had a Jeddah or something like that. Was uh, was what they were? It reminded me of them. The Klingons were never like that. That was not. That's not their style of architecture. That is not their style of ship. That is not their style. Period. And so none of that to me lines up with the Klingon culture at all. And then the the final part of it, I guess, to me that that really bothered me. Is this idea that they would have the bodies on the outside of the ship as some sort of hull and, you know, almost like they were like the Reapers in Firefly, you know, again, all these things. It's like they were pulling bad guy things from all these other science fiction shows because they're so cool and this is so awesome, but it's not Klingon. And so you took something that honestly, of all the races in Star Trek, the Klingons actually, I think are one of the most popular and you're ruining Probably other than Vulcans, one of the most popular races that came out of Star Trek by trying to make them look more vicious than they already were. And to me, Klingons were vicious enough. You didn't need to make them more vicious than they already were. And I just, I don't know. I, that part of it bothered the ever-living heck out of me. And again, with all these, you got to remember the lot. People might say, well, it's time. It's time for an upgrade or time for a new look. If we were be moving be forward, well, yes. I'd be okay with and, that. And they, say, and they would say that, yeah, there's that reason. For majorly, because it is such an insertion into the timeline where it just doesn't fit, you know. But a lot of people say, well, you can't hang on to the next generation or Deep Space Nine or whatever. You know, everything changes. Okay, fine. But here's the thing. When next, when the original series came out, it lasted three seasons. Right. It didn't even make it a, its five-year mission. It made it three seasons and ended. It had built a, a, a core universe, but very small. Mm -hmm. Next generation came out. Deep Space Nine... Voyager, all those others, Enterprise. Enterprise, they expanded on yep. that universe, but they expanded it all in the same way. Right. And they've been expanding it that way till present day. So where you have three years of world building for the original series, you have nearly 30 years now right. of world building since Next Generation that has all been consistent with each other. Yep. It's it's Klingons have that leathery brown look, and they, the the costumes have been decided upon, and the looks been decided upon. This is not just a, a brief three year thing that yes, you can change because thirty years later you're making a new series. Now it's an established universe that has a very long history, and to then say, well, we're going to do the same thing we did before, it's not the same situation. Right? It's not. Oh, we only had three years. It's okay for us to mess with it because it's, we're going to make something new and cool. It's you've got 30 years now and it could keep going under the same build and you're rebooting it. You're changing it. And I'm so sick of rebooting just because you think yeah. you can do it cooler. And I don't think you need to. That's the stupid thing about Star Trek. You don't need to reboot it. And the thing is, I think you would actually get more fans if you didn't reboot it. If you had left it. The way it was. If right. Klingons had been in that gray uniform with the bumpy heads that we know and love, you could have made the whole story just like that. I think you'd have bought more fans that way. Like, if you'd have used the old costumes, that old style of costume, you would have had more fans going, yes, than to do what you just did. Because that suddenly took a whole bunch of people. As you always talk about, about feeling in-universe, I didn't. it didn't feel... Like Star Trek at all. That did not feel like a Star Trek episode. When, there, I, there when were I got moments. done, I was like, it just didn't feel like it. There were moments that, to me, felt kind of Star Trek-y. I mean, just 
just little bits here and there, but your first officer assaults your captain? Right. The captain draws the gun on the first officer? We've barely met these characters and they're at each other's throats? So my last point, the thing that I was bothered by, you stole some things from other Star Trek shows and movies. Sorry. Yeah. It's just the reality. Going out in the spacesuit, how can that not be just like Spock in the motion picture? It is, or it was more advanced. Yeah, it was more advanced from, from yeah, what right. was well, not only that. It, it was like the two the space shoots with uh, the 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 con version with Cumberbatch yes. and the shooting right. through the asteroids and going to the, the debris and going to the other ship. So there was that. It's been done several times in Star right. Trek. And granted, yeah, everything's been done. You, it's very hard to do original, but but c- could you have done better? Right, and so so you've got so you got that you've got this space transmission with the lights and all that. They did that with V'ger. Unfortunately, they did that. I saw a lot of of Star Trek the motion picture moments within this episode, you know, and it just that bothers me a little bit because again, if you want to make yourself original and not connect to that universe and reboot, then reboot, but don't make references to the. I mean, like you think you're homaging something, but in reality, what you're doing is to me trampling on it instead of actually homaging it and actually mm-hmm. destroying it. And I, I don't, with all the I other, don't get it. With all the other series, at any one point, a character could have been dropped into another. Even though they're in different timelines, you can have them finding a crashed ship and there's Scotty. He's been yeah. in suspended animation for a hundred years and well, they find him. You could of, have... Think about Star Trek. Oh, what's the one where they find Captain Kirk and Picard and Kirk meet for the first time? Yeah, and Generations. Generations. And they can meet up. a great example where they met, you know, they got them to meet finally, you know? You had other characters. You get Spock. Even with the Abram stuff, you brought Spock in and it tied, even though it was a different universe, you understood you're in a different universe. And, you know, that to me made it okay. I'm like, I'm not watching the original track. I'm watching an alternate reality version. And I get it because they've explained that to me. Right. In all those shows, they could they could merge. I don't see how a single character from any other shows could pop up in this one and it would feel right. Oh, I they would be you. they would not fit. It's not the same No. Not the same show. You could even have the people from DS9 travel back in time and be in the triples episode. And it worked because they kept the universe feeling cohesive. Right. It had that same kind of feel. Again. You can't have any of that happen in this series, and that's why I feel like it's so out of place. And here's the other thing I thought about. Enterprise happens after this, correct? It hap- no, no, Enterprise happens before this. Oh, before this. Okay, right. so before or after Cause, doesn't cause matter. Because it's the first warp that's right. uh, vessel for Federation. Right. Has, the Federation hasn't even been right, created That's true. Yet. <laughs> they hadn't been created yet. So let's just say for the moment the captain or the first officer from Enterprise were injected into the show somewhere. It would, and going back to your point, it would work. No, it wouldn't feel right because suddenly, again, the there technology, d- all the other stuff, just doesn't line up with what's the, going on. None now. of that lines up, and just the feel of the characters would yeah. be out of it. It's, I absolutely all agree. the other shows they kind of felt like they connected. And I, sad to say, I think it was because Roddenberry had a hand in, in a lot of it. I agree with you, and he made sure that everything is at least cohesive. And now here, I think without him around, I, I don't know. Somebody's got to start. You know, they need. A P- Pablo Hidalgo, somebody to be, you know, like in control of this universe and be like, no, it's got to be like this. You know, it, it's just, it's not there. So now let's do our comparison with yes. this and the Orville, because we've talked about Discovery. Which one feels more Trekky? Because that's kind of where we were going. Which one feels like more like Star Trek? Do you guys think the Discovery feels more like Star Trek? Or does the Orville actually take over as the Star Trek show that Discovery is not? Take out... 
the crude humor, which I we talked about last time, mm-hmm. I still have an issue with. It doesn't quite feel like it fits. If you took out that those elements, Orville one hundred percent feels more like Star Trek. The the flying up in the ship to the to see the Orville for the first time in the right. docking station, or the way they dock in, you know, fly in in the shuttlecraft and dock in, the look of the colors, the look of the races, the the look of the science labs on on the planet's surface, the more hopeful feel that everything will be cleaner and better and mm-hmm. done done more po- better in in the future. All that felt like Star Trek. Again, I still have my issues with the series, and I got to see more episodes. But it all felt like Star Trek. This feels like, hey, it's 2017. Let's do a gritty reboot. That's that's dark and edgy, and gonna get violent and do a lot of war and special effects, and people are gonna love it. <laughs> Okay. Gary, what do you think? Do you think Orville is more like Star Trek, or is Discovery hitting the mark on us? Well, I agree with Eric that Orville is more Star Trek than Discovery is right now. All right. It's it's too too technologically advanced right now for for me. Are you ready for this one, folks? For the first time, maybe ever, I actually agree with both these guys. I actually think the Orville is the next generation we've been craving. Um, is is does it have the humor? Yeah. Do do I think do I think fans are willing to look past that humor? Honestly, yes. I do think our generation's willing to look past that humor. Actually, I think I, to an extent, some people in our generation crave that humor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I get it. I think they're okay with that, and they're willing to have that in their Star Trek show to take some of the seriousness and add just a little bit of humor in there to. You know, because some of the, if you look back at the next generation, I've watched it with my kids. I mean, Austin said it a million times. Next generation is deep. I mean, as far as like it gets you to think really deep about some issues that you like would have never thought about before. And it never really had humor all that much in it. I mean, Data ended up being kind of a humorous, but not so right. really the humor humor element. The to humor it, came you know? rare, and when they did, it was intentional. It right. was like, oh, we're gonna have a funny episode, or right. we're gonna have an episode where at least funnier things happen, just to endear us to the characters, so that we can go back through to the through rest another of the story. series one to the next one. So I can see where you'd need to inject some humor in there just to break up the. I mean, the absolute seriousness that's going on. I've seen a couple more Orville episodes. I don't know how many of you guys have seen. I can tell you right now, <laughs> as you go into the series, and we'll talk about it more as we watch the next episodes, I think you're going to find, when you weigh the two together, you're going to keep leaning a little more towards Orville. It's almost like Seth MacFarlane knew. <laughs> and I know this is crazy for me to say this. He knew that Discovery was not going to be what people were looking for and he thought you know what i'm just gonna beat him to the punch i'm gonna do what should have been done and i almost wonder if that's what he did like he purposefully said i know they're going the wrong direction with discovery i'm gonna fix it i'm gonna do it my way let's do it my way and let's show cbs what should have been done in your show yeah it's it was it's a risky thing that he did and if it's not it's a huge coincidence that as a new star trek comes out another show is giving us an an old school good feeling star trek it is, it's bizarre. If it's not intentional, it is one of the most bizarre coincidences I've ever seen. Oh, I can't think it's 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 not intentional. I, I really do think, and I think he really was banking on the idea that CBS would mess up Discovery. And Okay, and so wait, hold on. What do you think about now? You have to get in our service to watch this show, too. And so on top of all these things that we have issues with, you also have to pay for a new service that huge. maybe you want for other CBS shows. I don't know, but... Huge mistake on CBS's part. Uh, I'll tell you right Huge. now, this episode did not make me want to go out and buy it. 
No, oh, not at all. No, I and and even leaving it on a cliffhanger, I'm like, eh. <laughs> like I didn't, you know. Normally, if it were a cliffhanger ending, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I got to see what happens. Like at the end of most next generation episodes, if it was a to be continued. I, I was that. like, I oh. hated it because it was always at the end of the season. I you're like, when's the next season start? Because I got to know what's going on. This one, I was kind of like, I, 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 you left me in a position where I could care less whether well, the Klingons attack, the whether the Starfleet attack. We Who haven't cares? even met. We haven't even met the Discovery yet. The whole right. first episode of the I series know. happened, and we didn't even meet the ship that right. the series is apparently going to be about. And now again, that hints to there's a lot more story to tell. Sure, and I'm. I'm willing to at least watch more. I'm not willing to buy a pay service to do it, but I'd be willing to watch three or four more episodes and see where they go with it to make my, just like Orville, you know, I got to see some more episodes and see where they go with it before I can make, full, I can't make a judgment based on one. You can look back with rose colored glasses and say, wow, next generation with that first far point episode, just so, but you watch those characters and they were not, it's funny. They're not. Who no. They and, and when you watch the far point episode and then you look at the statistics from back then, it, it was awful. I mean, as far as like the number of people watching it, it didn't grab anybody's attention. The Farpoint episode was one of the lowest rated episodes of the series. And yet when you look at it now, you kind of look at it back endearingly going, but how could it be so, you know, yeah. like, but it's again, you're right. It's the rose colored glasses was, effect. Everyone know? sat there going, how can you do characters that are more memorable than Spock and Kirk and blah, blah, I do blah. remember that when it first came out. And when it, like, and, you can't do that. And they you know? did it. Yeah. I mean, Picard is every bit. Well, and let's as face great, it, as Kirk. one of the biggest arguments of all time is who is the better captain? Kirk or Picard. Kirk or Picard. And Archer. I'm like... <laughs> Here's the thing. Richard. Number, Archer. Uh, yeah. Archer. Archer. Number, number oh. one, uh, you know, the, the Riker. Mm-hmm. Could have been a pale character. Yep. Great character. He, he became really cool. All of them. Deanna Troy, Jordy LaForge. I mean, the fact that we just Even draw these names Data, like who should have fallen short as a robot and bland and blah. And he even said that. Is, is one of the better characters in the series. Yeah, cause, cause, because Brent Spiner gave it yeah. he's, well, he's, something. He you specifically know? said, oh, God, this could be a very one-note character, and this might go nowhere for me. I need to inject it with something. And so he, he and did. He did. And I thought he did a great job doing it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. The discovery just fell short. And it actually, it makes me, the funny thing was I watched this the other night, and I got done, and my wife even, she come back in the room for the last maybe 10, 15 minutes, and she looked at me and she says, this makes me want to watch the Orville again. And I looked at her and I go, why? And she goes, because that felt more like Star Trek than this did. And I looked at her and I said, it's funny you say that because I have a feeling that's what my guys are going to say when we sit down on the podcast. And, and that's another thing, too, is in all the other Star Trek shows, Enterprise, Next Generation, Original Series, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, they'll have a crew. Right. This one doesn't have a crew. It doesn't feel like it anyway. Right. Again, maybe you'll get to know that that helmsman. Maybe you'll get to know the person who's targeting the weapons. We meet them more. They'll the, grow. Here is the catch. But right. I remember the Orville crew from right. one episode. But here's the catch too. In in the first Next Generation, in the first Star Trek, in the first Deep Space Nine, in the first Voyager, Voyager, when the first Enterprise. Enterprise, the first thing you do, you get into the ship. You meet the crew. You meet the crew. Think about Orville. What did we do? We met the crew. We met the they crew. We stood there in the loading bay. Let's meet the crew. We got into the ship. We watched the ship. We get a chance to see the whole ship in its in its glory. And then it was a great, like, you, it felt epic, right? Because you got to meet the crew and you're like, oh, yeah, now I, this is like our data type and this is our security guy. And this is so, and in this one, you're just kind of like, they assume you know the crew already. Let's go. 
and they they, they oh, go yeah, off to yeah. the races. And so the feels, only people I know are I know the captain, right? Because I know she's the captain. I know the first I know officer, first officer, because we met them. And I I know Doug Jones's alien just from his unique look, right? Everybody else interchangeable, right? Couldn't now. care. Yeah, and that's the weird thing, like. I think back to the first season of Rebels. Remember, what was our first complaint about first season of Rebels? We None never got introduced out. to the characters. Yeah, we don't know who they are. We just jumped into the whole thing, and we never got any introduction. That's what I felt like here. Like, we were back at that. Like, we just... Nobody introduced us. Here you are. Go. <laughs> and you're kind of like... Bleh, bleh, bleh. You know, like, you don't know what to think of that. And it's pretty sad that I went to Klingons to wipe the ship right off. <laughs> Honestly, I was actually rooting for the Klingons. Yeah, I was that's, that's what I'm saying. And then here's the other side of it, too. The Klingon culture, beside everything else that you did, you refer to something as a batleth, and then you look at the bat the batleth. It's not a batleth. Sorry, no, it's, it's just like not a, a double bladed sword. Right. So again, so there's another iconic I- ideal of something that's that's messed up. Sorry, that one just hit me too. So, okay, so let's rate this because I think it would be interesting to see how we'd rate it. So zero's a don't bother go see Discovery. Ten's a hey, you gotta you de- definitely have to see Discovery. Um, I'll start this one. I actually would rate it a three. Three. At least based on the first episode. Just because to me, it it just doesn't hit home. It's not Star Trek. It doesn't feel like Star Trek. It doesn't have the appeal that Star Trek had. And I want to go where boldly no man has gone before. Where's the boldly going here? We went nowhere. Yeah, well, here's another interesting. Oh, well, I got a point. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm good. I'm, go ahead, Eric. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I did not think it was Star Trek. But let's take a look at the, those opening credits. Yeah. What did it focus on? Did it focus on flying through space and seeing planets and seeing f- amazing sights or or the ship even take up? No, it focused on schematics of technology. Right. The whole thing is we're going to impress you with our whiz-bang visuals and the cool things we design and blah, blah, blah. It's all tech and no heart. Right. Where's the heart? Where's the space, the final? And I know, yeah, we had a, you know, I got faith of the heart for Enterprise, and people hated that for a long time because they were just like, it was, you know. You I know, actually liked it. I, I thought the theme song for Enterprise was awesome. Right. I really did. But to me, it, it the visuals were like, at least, even though I didn't like the song for Enterprise, the visuals were all about our ventures into space. And, right. it's, and the improvement as they went, right. each each frame was improved technology and stuff this was all it's it's like movies these days they focus so much on the details of the technology and in the, the detail of building the the physical part of the world they don't care about the emotional part and the heart isn't there and to me that felt right from the get-go and right from the from the opening that feels like what's missing yep gary what'd you think so i'm a three eric's a four you're a one Ooh. <laughs> I can't say not to watch it. Don't don't bother. But I'm close to it. I was gonna say you're pretty close. So I was like, <laughs> was there any good part of this at all? Like, was there anything that? So I want to try to flip that a second. Like, I know you, there's a lot you didn't like. Is there anything that you did like about the show? I can't think of nothing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's another problem they had with it. Was think about did any? This is actually just occurring to me. Did any? flipping character in this entire show show respect to other characters you had the the number one and the science officer practically pushing each other out of the way and talking over each other and acting rude to each other Mm -hmm. you had the when she the number one came in and the admiral was talking you had her kind of overspeak the admiral you had the admiral disrespect her back you had everybody you know kind of 
not it's it's like you think about generation everyone's like good good thinking and good talk you know they're they're respectful and they talk to each other and they think things out and they work through it and you know yeah granted in later episodes bad guys happened and things happened but initially it was all about this team working together and this thing maybe that was their point it's like let's let's shake it up the whole team doesn't work great together and they're gonna have to learn to over time or something that's not star trek you're not in space if you're going to fall apart at the first sign of a ba- of a bad situation like a Klingon or something. This team should be, if you're working in space and, and respect each other and working together this long, you should be able to get through any situation through your chain of command and working. <laughs> and none of that showed. It just okay. fell apart. Okay, Eric, so I'm, I'm going to say this. This is a reflection on our age. That's not this generation. They don't believe in sitting around and discussing things respectfully and and listening to other sides and being like, okay, no. I, I respect your opinion, but this is how we're going to do it. Instead, it's whoever can shout louder or interrupt more is the winner. Yeah. And that's kind of, you're right. Now you It's the it, internet generation. Well, it is the internet generation. And that is now how that show felt. Maybe that's what's bothering me about this show is that's what's bothering me is it, there wasn't a genuine respect for the captain or the first officer, or there just didn't seem to be a chain of command within no. that structure and no respect for it. So therefore, and maybe, you don't feel like Star Trek because of that. And maybe this is the point. Maybe the next episode when the Discovery comes in, this ship falls apart, almost gets destroyed, or maybe it does get destroyed by the Klingons, because this is obviously not the Discovery. Right. They get rescued, brought onto the Discovery, and we see a ship that runs like that. Okay. And they're kind of this fallen apart crew that has to enter to work now with this group. And so they're the outsiders. And we kind of come in from that point of view. If they go that route and the Discovery is actually a Star Trek, well-run, respectable, intelligent ship where they think through the problems and stuff, I'm okay with them destroying Because this, this ship is the Shinjo. You know, it's just right. some random ship that ran into the Klingons and it's going to get destroyed. But it introduced us to maybe some important characters who are flawed, who will go on the Discovery. If they go that route, it'll recover some for me. But... If the Discovery has the same issues or if the people keep this in bickering and all that, I'm like, it's not Star Trek. It's not the hopeful future. It's taking everything that's happening today and saying, well, here it is with way better tech. Yeah, we're just going to throw it into some technological things and call it sci-fi. I agree. Okay, so those are our thoughts about... Go ahead, Gary. Were were any of you guys bothered by the hologram admiral? Yeah, the fact that he turned around to look at her. It's yeah. like, is he in a 3D projection space where he's from? And so when she enters the room, he shows up? Oh, not or is it just a forward-facing 3D projection? Not only was I bothered by that, but when she called Sarek, and Sarek goes over and leans on the... The table. Table, I yeah. kind of went... Yeah. Um, he walked around the room, leaned on the table. Um, it's a 3D hologram. <laughs> what are you doing leaning, leaning on a table? There's no table where you're at. I mean, I mean, that would be hysterical to watch because Sarek goes to lean on a table and blah, you know, like he falls down because there's <laughs> or, nothing behind or, or him. Or he leans on something that we can't see. Right. So he's in the middle of the room. And and maybe he's leaning on a camel for all we know. Yeah. I, you know like, it, but yeah, it, it's just, it, that's yeah, just a bad detail. Yeah. It, it, it's so out of... Out of place. Out of Star Trek. Yeah. But like I said, it just that's it, another thing that took you out of that universe. Yeah. Because I mean, even in the... Uh, Next generation, they had the, the, the computer monitor and everything else. They had to oh, talk talk to them on yeah and stuff. I don't mind it being a hologram, but don't have them leaning on stuff. I mean, like that doesn't make any sense at all. And again, the technology was better than next generation's technology. This is true too. So that's another yeah. problem with it. You know, so it just it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't visually work. In I don't know. Like I said, there's just so much there. 
Okay, so we've said a lot tonight, so we'd love to hear what you have to say. That's why the Galaxy Cast exists. Uh, again, we reviewed uh, several of our trailers at the beginning of the show. We'd love to hear about that. And what are your thoughts on the Orville versus Star Trek Discovery? Tell us why we're wrong. Right, are we wrong about Discovery? Trekkies, correct us if we are wrong. Of course, if you agree with us, let us know that too. We're not wrong. <laughs> so head on over to galaxycast.com. Email us at galaxycast.gmail.com. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Twitter, YouTube. YouTube. Thank you. I was trying to remember the other one. And uh, we're still making our rounds. I, I promise there's going to be more social media coming as we go. So as we like to always say here in the Star Production Studios, may the force be with those who listen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You fail for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.